I think that's what we all want for our children, isn't it? We want them to be like their Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, I found that it's not enough just to want it. We have to make decisions to be a part of accomplishing that. And one of the things the Lord has shown me as a mother is that if I want my children to be like their Savior, if I want them to desire heaven, and we tell them how wonderful heaven's going to be, then they need to experience heaven on earth in our homes. Our homes need to be so happy that our children would rather be there than anywhere, and they would rather be with us than anyone. The Lord wants to teach us as parents how to make our homes happy. When our homes are happy, it's because He is abiding in our hearts individually as husbands and wives and as children. And then our homes can't be anything else but happy. And the Spirit of God, His angels will love to be there. And you know what? Other people will want to be in our homes too. Things that make home happy. See this little um, sheet? that I've got some black letters in and some red letters in. When I do my personal study, I take my time to find out what kind of a person God wants me to be individually. And then as a wife and as a mother, and that's my ongoing constant study. A mother, an educator, a wife, and a Christian. And as I study, I make little notes. And from time to time, I make things to put on our bulletin board. And this is one that I put on our bulletin board. Because the Lord spoke to my heart in one simple paragraph in the book Adventist Home that just opened up my mind to areas that made it clear that I can be working in my home to make my home a happier place. I'd like to read those to you. Actually, there's a couple paragraphs, but I'm going to read you this one here. This is taken out of just one paragraph that I'm going to be sharing with you. Things that make a home happy. Isn't that what we want? And how many of us today are satisfied with our home presently as it is this very day in the happiness of our homes? I think that's why we're here. I'm not satisfied. I know my home can be happier because I know there's still more of self that the Lord wants to rule in my heart, in my husband's heart, and in the hearts of my children. Pleasant voices, gentle manners, sincere affection, industry, neatness, and economy. Six simple things, aren't they? But they are not necessarily so simple in application. And I'm going to be sharing with you those six elements, or I'm going to call them ingredients, of making home happy. But I really want to add one more. But before I begin, I'd like us to consider the definition of happiness. Did you know that in God's Word, He has the definition of happiness? We should expect to find that there, shouldn't we? There's lots of different definitions of happiness, but the one I'm going to share with you today is found in the book of Psalms, the very first chapter, the very first and second verses, and it reads thus, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Friends, for many years I walked in counsel of the ungodly. I took up all the world's philosophy, popular Christian philosophy, of what I needed to be as a wife and mother to have a happy home, and it does not work. 
Blessed, happy, that's what the word translates. Happy are we, I'm going to take it out of uh, the third person and put it into the first person, plural. Blessed are we when we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But our delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law do we meditate day and night. That's how we will have happy homes. Because we are studying God's words to bring his principle and his power into our lives. And we're going to find a very happy experience in that. And we will begin to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. A little bit of a taste. And we are going to want more and more and more of that. And I pray we will never be satisfied until we are on the other side of this world to experience the happiness in its fullness in heaven. Adventist Home, page 422. Here's the paragraph that the Lord put in my heart. Pleasant voices, gentle manners, sincere affections that find expression in all the actions together with, that means in addition to, industry, neatness, and economy. Make even a hovel the happiest of homes. The Creator regards such a home with approbation. What was it that makes a happy home? Pleasant voices. Speaking kindly one to another. Gentle manners. Sincere affections. And they're not just these terms, but these three things with the industry, neatness, and economy are expressed. It says they find expression in all the actions. Everything we do in the day, these things are expressed. That's what makes home happy. But I want to add one more that's not here. And I believe it's understood, but sometimes my mind isn't as sensitive or as keen to pick up And so the Lord impressed me that the main ingredient, if we think about making home happy like we're going to make a loaf of bread, what's the main ingredient we need to make that bread raise and do what it needs to do? Yeast. Right? You've all made bread. It's the active ingredient. And if we don't have yeast, we can put in all the other ingredients. But are we going to have nice, fluffy, wholesome tasting, appetizing bread? No. We're going to have a very heavy, uh, I don't know what you're going to call it, but it it really won't be too good. (laughs) And I've done that before. I haven't had good yeast. And it's not very appetizing. The yeast, the main ingredient, which goes in to activate all the other ingredients, that the bread tastes so delightful. Well, that's the way it is in our homes. There's a main ingredient mixed with these six things that result in happy homes. And this is what it is. This is what the Lord told me it was in my thoughts. It's my influence. My influence. I can have all the right theology. I can have all the right doctrines. I can have all obedience, or maybe I should say conformity. I can have everything. I can have a schedule. I can have my home in perfect order. And I can say pleasant words. 
But if it's not in my heart, if it's not my experience, if I'm not cheerful and happy myself, I am not going to have a happy home, friends. I am not going to have a happy home. You and I, as mothers and fathers, are the yeast that will activate these ingredients to have a happy home. We are the ingredients. Galatians 6 verse 7 says it this way. Be not deceived. Don't fool yourselves, mothers and fathers. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if I sow uh, a sullen, unhappy, uh, fussy spirit in my home, what will I reap? What will my children be? Or how will they be? They will be exactly like I am. And all too often, that's what happens. And then we want our children to be Christ-like. And we want them to obey. And we want them to be happy. And so we see that they're not. And then we tell them they need to be when we are not. And we have different expectations of our children than we have of ourselves. And it will lead our children to rebellion. And they don't have to be teenagers or in their 20s to get their friends. It can happen at a very young age. We are the main ingredient to making our home happy. Do you know, as I've read about mothers, there's a simple little six-letter word, and as parents too, that we're told to do in our homes. Can anybody guess what that word is? One word. I want the mothers or fathers, please, to tell me what that word is. Smile. Smile. Here's a lady who's been reading the same counsel I have been. Smile, mothers. Smile. Try it. Smile. It feels good. We need to smile in our homes. Do you smile at your children? In the day, do they see you, look at them at their school desk and smile at them? Or do they only see you giving correction, giving guidance, but no joy in it at all? Smile, Father, smile. Let's see the Father smile. You can smile at church. You can smile at work. You can smile with your buddies. Can you smile in your own homes with your children? God wants us to smile. He's saying, I want you to be happy. If we are not happy, parents, we can do all the right things, but if we don't have the power of God working with us, our children will not want our religion. They will not want it. And they will find people of the world that we just read about in Psalms, the first chapter and the first verse, those ungodly, those sinners who put on a false happiness. The world is full of all kind of lurements to tell youth and children and adults happiness is. And they're all a counterfeit for true happiness and true peace. And they will find somebody else who smiles or who looks like they're having a good time and they will want to attach themselves because God created us to be happy people, to own only the good. And we need to show our families what the good is, our children. Our influence, parents, is the main ingredient. Now let's talk about the six. And let's mix up these ingredients in our home on a day-to-day basis. And God will 
add his blessings because I know it is absolutely impossible for me to have genuine peace and happiness without the power of God working in my heart. So if I am happy from the inside, it's because I am in a surrendered position to my Creator and my Redeemer. And I am happy in that position. And the further I go in my Christian experience and the times when I've chosen not to surrender my stubborn fleshly will, every time I have experienced absolute misery. Now, it's easy to identify in a young child, but you know, we as adults experience the same thing. We get pouty. We get sullen. We don't like to speak. We're agitated. Our stomachs hurt or our intestines or whatever it is that just twist up inside of us. We are absolutely miserable. And we cannot have genuine happiness that radiates out of us that will affect, that will be like the leaven affecting our family unless it is genuine. Because you know what? Our children can read right through us almost in every situation, if not in every situation. When I'm feeling down and depressed, there's a heaviness, a heavy spirit in the home. When I went through a period in my life for a few weeks where it was work to get out of bed because I was so focused on myself and my poor condition and what a rotten mother I was and what a terrible wife I was and the more I thought, the worse I felt and the worse I felt, the more I thought and it was a vicious circle. My home, the the spirit in our home was very dark even though the sun did shine. And when I realized through the grace of God, through a loving husband who worked with me patiently and through my willingness to say, I want to see what the Lord has to say. You know, I knew he was going to tell me the right thing, but somehow I thought maybe there would even be a little sympathy in his counsel for me. And when I read the counsel, it says there is no excuse for sin, period. No excuse, Elaine, for you to feel this way. No matter how rotten your life may seem, you are believing the lie of the devil. I have given you the way of life, regardless of your situation. And I made the choice, like that paralytic, to rise up and walk. And I've been walking since, and sometimes I run, and I do stumble occasionally, but I'm not wallowing on the ground anymore, friends. Because God has shown me I am absolutely miserable thinking about myself, and I am happy when I'm doing His way. The first or the second ingredient, I'm going to put the yeast, we as the parents, to smile and be happy in our homes is the first ingredient. The second one is gentle manners, and I'm going to define it in these terms. In love, we should instruct our children how to obey. That can be done gently, friends. Teaching our children how to obey. Listen to the words from the wise man. Proverbs 1.8 My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Does that sound like gentle manners, friends? That principle, that counsel? Very gentle. The Lord wants to use us as parents to help our children learn to obey because when we are surrendered or when we are obedient to do God's will, we are happy people. We have something to be thankful for. We don't carry the burden of self anymore. We're not in bondage to our self. We have freedom in Christ and we have happiness. 
teach our children how to obey. When our children are disobedient, they are in bondage. Isn't that so? If they can't get control of themselves, they're absolutely miserable. They're just like somebody in chains. They're in prison. They're in bondage. I can remember one time we had a family visiting us, and they had several children. And they were asking for some help on helping these children to have a happier home. And the first thing we talked about, it's the very first thing I shared with you, it has to begin with us as their parents. We must have a surrendered heart and be happy in our homes first. Now, let's work with the children, teaching them to obey. You know, the children did not know how to obey, and that is not uncommon. It takes work to teach our children how to obey. Because if we don't do that work, they are naturally inclined to go the opposite way of righteousness. They will naturally go to the tendencies and the ways of evil. And so we were sharing with these parents some principles. And we noticed that one of the children particularly, the, the, toward the younger end, a little boy who was about four years old, had a terrible time in obeying. In fact, I don't think he obeyed at all. And he was so used to being having his own way, and he was so miserable in having his own way. And that's the point I want us to catch as parents. Our children are absolutely miserable in their selfishness. When they get their own way, they're miserable. And so this little boy couldn't even ask her anything at the dinner table. He yelled at his parents to give him. He demanded. He even hit to get what he wanted. We needed to work with the parents because their influence brought an influence to our family. And you may say that sounds drastic, but that is not all that uncommon, friends. Not in even professing Christian homes. It's not even that unusual in conservative Christian homes. And it may not be displayed to that degree, but the roots are there. And the older the children go, the stronger those things will grow and be shown. And so I... We were visiting with the parents and Tom was sharing some things with the parents and I felt the Lord calling to my heart to excuse myself from that discussion, take all the children downstairs into my bedroom and to do something with them. And so we went down there and we read some stories and we were going to be doing some other things and then we were going to sing some songs. And so far everything was smooth. And then I asked somebody what song they would like to sing. And one of the other children in the family said something. They picked a song they wanted to sing. And this little boy got angry about it because he didn't want that, that other child to have their way. He wanted to pick a song, but he didn't say anything. And so I looked at him and I talked to him and I said, you may not speak like that in this home. And so anyway, there was a confrontation, and I don't have time to tell you all about it, except it ended up like this. The boy was so determined to have his own way, and he had not learned how to obey, that I finally said, Allison, would you take the other children into the next room? Because I had asked this little boy to do something, and he folded his arms and absolutely refused to do a simple request. And the first thing I had to do was find out from the older children in the family, does he understand what I'm saying? And they all said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. All right. Does he know the song I'm talking about? "Uh Uh-huh. It's his favorite one. 
Okay. All I simply asked him to do was to speak, and he refused to speak. He was not going to do anything. So now, parents, what do we do? Is my home a happy home? Is that child a happy child? And did that child cause a, an influence to be born among all the other children? Yes, it did. And it wasn't a happy place. Not because I wasn't happy in my heart, but because somebody's little heart was struggling and they were caught in the bondage of self. And the Lord wanted to use me as a parent, not his parent, but a parent in Christ to that child to help set them free and find freedom and happiness in Christ. So the older children went right to the next room. They continued to conduct themselves wisely. And I took the little boy and I put him right on my lap and I said, Honey, and I called him by his name. I said, you can sit in my lap and you and I need to have a talk. And so I began to explain to him that he must answer when he's spoken to in this home and that he could do what he was asked to do and that he was not happy. We have to tell our children that and we have to tell our teenagers that too. If we have not taught them that being selfish is absolutely miserable for them, and they have not learned how to surrender, we need to start at base one with them so they understand why they feel the way they do. And so we began. And he looked at me and he would not talk. And I said, I'm going to pray. And I began the process of yielding my heart first to Christ because, friends, I don't have it naturally in my mind how to take a child that I've only known for one day and to bring that child to Christ in and of my own capabilities it takes a power outside myself it takes a power outside myself to work with my own children who may have been in my home for four, almost 14 years right Allison I need a power outside of myself and I began to pray in my heart in my mind I prayed out loud for the child and the child sat there and pretty soon he tried to use some distractions maybe I would forget why we were there I didn't forget and we went through this process. You know how long we sat on the bed? Who would like to, to give me an idea? One hour. Praise God, it was only a one hour sitting. But through that process, I began to see hope that the child's heart was melting in little ways. But then self would take over all over again. And he would become stubborn and resistive. And he would get a scowly look. He even tried to... Uh, you know, scooting off my lap and pointing to things out the window and anything he could think of. And the Lord had me stay right with that child. And I said, before you get off my lap today, which we were getting close to dinner time now, before you get off my lap, you must obey what I said. It's the law of the mind. As long as the desired object is so firmly denied as to remove all hope of acquiring it, and I'm paraphrasing, not using exact word, the mind will soon cease to long for it. Why did it take his mind an hour to cease to long for it? Because that's how he had been trained in his home. And the parents didn't understand this. And so I worked with him, and he even prayed. He wanted to pray. He'd start to pray, and he would crumble in the middle of the prayer. And I would help him pray, and then I would give some time, and I kept talking to him. And then I said, you are not getting off my lap until this is resolved. And then the children came in and said, Mother, do you want us to start supper? And his mind's thinking, I'm not getting off this lady's lap. And they're talking about supper, and I do believe I'm hungry. I'm thinking for the child. 
And he soon found the victory in Christ. And before he got off my lap, friends, I want you to know that boy could pray. He could look me in the eye. He was at total peace. And I called all the other children back in the room. And I said, this boy has something he wants to say. And he said it. And I said, now he's going to start the song for us. And he looked at me and he started the song. He had absolute victory, friends. Teaching our children to obey gentle manners. Did that make our home happy? That boy was so happy. And do you know who he liked to be with the most of everybody in our home? It was me, the authoritarian. It was me, the mother who brought the child to obedience. I gave him the opportunity through Christ working in my heart to experience true happiness and freedom from self and sin. This can also take place with older children. Now, you may not be able to put a teenager on your lap, but God will give you the the victory and the wisdom to know how to work with children. And we have known of teenage boys who have been so rebellious to a single-parent mother, and her boys are substantially bigger and taller and stronger than she is. And she began to work with them in these principles And they were stubborn. They were rebellious. And she prayed with them and worked with them and continued to have to give them consequences for this young child in my lap. The consequences weren't all that uh, severe, shall we say. But with this single parent, she had to give some very firm consequences. And she continued to be consistent. Do you hear that word, friends? Consistent. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that consistency with that mother, with me working with this child throughout that experience, helped them to see that they could make the choice. They could come to Christ. And do you know that teenager boy came to us later and he said, I am so thankful that you helped my mother give me the freedom from my anger and my temper. And do you know before we ever met the boy, the mother called us on the phone and she says, do you know what God did for us in our home? My son, who's 13 or 14 or whatever he was then, he is, he's, he's hugged me and he's bawled like a baby and he says, mother, thank you. I never thought I could overcome my temper. Friends, God wants to give us the victory over self. Our homes can be happy, and it has to start with us. The third ingredient is that of finding useful employment. The term in our paragraph was industry. God wants us to keep our children busy because the little saying goes, busy hands are what kind? Happy hands. Busy hands are happy hands. The Bible says it in a different way. It's the same principle, Proverbs 22, 15. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Our children need to have direction. They need to have their hands busy. And the younger they are, the more often we need to call to their hearts to keep them close in our hearts, in our thoughts, and in a surrendered position. And if we've not taught them that when they're young, we need to do that with them as they're older also. Call to their hearts often. Review and Herald article, January 12, 1911. This was a number of years ago. This sentence 
when I read it, or these two sentences when I read them, were frightening to me. Mothers, that's me, mother, keep your children occupied. Okay, keep them occupied. What does that mean? Give them something to do. Make sure they just don't have long periods of idleness. Because the Bible speaks of idleness as a sin. Keep your children occupied. Because, or it says, if you fail to do this, this is the second sentence, somebody's going to do it for us. Who is that? Is it going to be Father? No. It's going to be Satan. If you fail to do this, Satan will do it for you. And friends, he is experienced at keeping our children occupied. Our children and all of us have a natural bent to wrongdoing. He has access to our heart. And the only way that he can be shut out is if we are surrendered to God. And so with our children, if we don't keep them occupied, Satan has access and he will occupy them. And I can tell you, in all cases, 100% of the time, that occupation is not going to help our children one inch toward the heavenly kingdom. Keep our children occupied. But it's so much easier when I make the bread myself. I'm so much faster at running the vacuum cleaner. I'm so much more thorough at cleaning those potties out. No, God wants us to take our children and teach them how to do everyday duties in the home. It gives them something to do. And you know why it's so important for children? Because they feel important. They have usefulness in the home. Children left to themselves to play all the time, they feel like they're just maybe accessories in the home. They want to feel like they're needed. And we've seen that in every family who's ever visited our home. Because when we have families come in, I have a list of things according to the ages that are coming that I know those children can do. And if they don't know how to do, they can be very easily learned in the day or two they're at our home to do. And so I am prepared and I'm prepared for my own children during the day. Keep our children occupied. Does that mean my children never get free time? Not at all. But it means that I have helped them to learn how to use, have good, useful occupation through the day that when they do have their free time, they know how to govern themselves in it. And the younger they are, the less time they need uh, at one time for indulging self in play. Now, there's nothing wrong with play and recreation. We need that. But to allow a four-year-old, a two-year-old, or an eight-year-old to play for three hours uninterrupted, do you think they're going to be really happy when mother calls and says, Jimmy, please come in and help mother fold the clothes? Absolutely not. But if we call to their hearts often, and they're used to coming when mother calls, and they've learned how to come cheerfully because we've taught them obedience and because we are cheerful and happy, they will come in, And it won't be a big death of self. Keep our children busy. If we don't, they become idle. Even with all of the toys you can buy for your children, and our world is good at producing more things than we could ever think of needing or using. They continue to produce things, but they do not satisfy the children. You know what satisfies the children and really makes them happy? Feeling like they can contribute to the household. Even if they don't think they want to at the beginning. Doing all the housekeeping chores. 
That's everything from the cleaning the bathroom potties to polishing the mirrors and sweeping the floors and even on your hands and knees sometimes with them. Mother with a smile on her face enjoying it. And our little um, children right beside us taking turns enjoying it with us, vacuuming, dusting. And we've found that we just do those things every day, not scrubbing the floors on our hands and knees every day. I don't want to give you that wrong impression. But the basic uh, home duties are done every day making sure the floors are swept every day, the carpets are shaken every day, the house is dusted every day. Once in a while, we'll make a decision to not have to do that. But every day there's regularity and things to do. Teaching them how to cook. That's a lot of fun. Children love to get their hands in the bread dough. They like to make cookies. They like to make lasagna. They even like to make salad. And they like to do things creative. And we've sometimes put um, all those fresh vegetables that we need to be eating for our health, lots of raw, fresh things. We put them on these pretty little uh, sticks, these little skewer sticks. And we cut the vegetables to look pretty. And we put them on there. And the children are more apt to want to eat them because they look nice and they're fun to make and they're fun to pull them off. And so they've had a good time doing that. Helping father do his chores in the home. Many fathers don't have much time. But there's no reason our children can't be learning how to mow the lawn, how to keep the car clean, wash the car. And, oh, yes, I can tell you, mother and dad, that when the children has the sprayer on the hose and they're spraying off the car and you're walking out to the clothesline or walking in from the clothesline with a basket full of dry clothes, you need to be prepared to be accidentally sprayed because it's happened more than once to me. And how do we respond to that? We need to help our children find useful occupations to do and to wash the cars with them and to show them how to sweep the vehicles out. And our children really enjoy that. So useful occupation in the home. We find that our children, even those who are not accustomed to working, when we've had families there and their children are not accustomed to do anything, not even making their own bed or picking up their own clothes, when we involve them in our home and that, those children are far happier. And it isn't uncommon for them to come and say, is there something else I can do for you? Now, I know that's not always the case in our own homes. Sometimes my children just don't come up begging for jobs. But we can begin a process in our attitudes. I have seen mothers, and at times I'm sure I have been a mother, who is doing her housekeeping chores and feeling like this is such a burden, it's such a menial task, it's so below my capabilities. I am a trained professional nurse, and certainly I have more important things to do. But when I enjoy the work, my children enjoy the work. When they see I like to fold the clothes neatly, I like order in my drawers, I like the the dishes to be stacked neatly in the cupboard, and I'm happy to do that, they're happy to do it too. Our influence is very important. The fourth area, neatness, order, and neatness and order of the home, our regularity and schedule. All that I put into one. That's what we've just been talking about. The Bible teaches us this principle. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. Let all things be done with decency and order. Does that sound simple? It's very clear cut. All things. doesn't matter what we do in our day. Everything needs to be done with decency and order. That has not been my natural habit, friends. I am still developing that habit. And the Lord keeps showing me new areas that I need to develop that habit in. Everything be done with decency and order. 
Mind, character, and personality says it this way. Order is heaven's first law. Order is heaven's first law. And the Lord desires His people to give in their homes a representation of the order and harmony that pervade the heavenly courts. When somebody walks into our home, do they feel just from the presence of our home, just from the, not talking about the people in it, right now, if somebody was to go to our home and we were gone, could they still be pervaded with an influence? They will be. Either an influence that has a heavenly blessing or an influence that says the ways of the Lord are impossible because of how I keep my home. Order is heaven's first law. I'd like to finish reading this quote. How can we invite Christ into our homes unless all is neat and clean and pure? Now that doesn't mean, friends, that Christ will not come into our homes if there is a neglected corner. But when He brings conviction to us and He prompts us, we need to be addressing that. And I knew, I know from my own experience that it was impossible for me to get my home in perfect order the first day I understood this. There was too many things out of order. But I began to apply myself, to apply myself in every area. It went from the things that were on the external that you could see when you walked home to the things inside my drawers and in my closets and in my cupboards. And I no longer have a junk drawer in my kitchen which I always used to say, this is my junk drawer. And that meant everything went in it. There was no rhyme or order or anything to that drawer. And everything was just crammed in there. And when it was so full, I couldn't get anything else in there. I would kind of straighten it around occasionally. And it's such a relief to know that when I ask my child to to go bring me the scissors, that they can simply walk over the kitchen drawer and pull it open, pull the scissors out, and they're right there with them. And it's not a frustration to my child. I can't find them. And we waste 10 minutes looking for the scissors. Order is heaven's first law. That's found in Mind, Character, and Personality, page 177. Continuing from a different quote, God is displeased with disorder, slackness, and a lack of thoroughness in anyone. These deficiencies are serious evils. I did not write this for you folks. These are studies that I, that the Lord led me to because this is my need. And the Lord has brought these things to my heart. And as he's working in my heart in these areas, he's saying, other people need that encouragement too. These deficiencies are serious evil. A wife and a mother cannot make home agreeable and happy. Remember, I'm studying how to have a happy home. A wife and a mother cannot make home happy and agreeable unless she possesses a love for order preserves her dignity, and has good government. Therefore, all who fail on these points should give up in despair. Is that what it says? Let me read you what it says. It's very encouraging. I found these words very encouraging. All who fail on these points should begin at once. That means today, right now, making these spirits putting conviction in your heart that you're willing to address it from this very moment should begin at once, right here, to educate ourselves in this direction and cultivate the very things wherein is their greatest lack. I have more cultivation to do because I still have deficiencies in my character. And the Lord is working with me in these areas. That's found in Testimonies, Volume 2, page 298 and 99. This area of order 
and regularity, having a schedule in the home is very important. And you know everything in our society tells us otherwise, including the present-day education, both in the world and in Christianity and in conservative Christianity curriculums. Throw out schedules. Throw out order. Throw out regularity. Freelance is the idea. God has order in everything. And there's a schedule in everything. And you can look right out at these beautiful trees and the grass. Everything in nature is on a schedule. It is regulated. It is orderly. And we can read it in the very first book of the Bible, the character of God. On the first day he created. On the second day he created. On the third day he created. What if he would have put the birds in the sky before there was a firmament? Or what if he would have uh, wanted flowers to grow before there was land? There's order and regularity to everything, and we need schedules in our homes. And if we don't have schedules, let us make a commitment to start, even as we were talking with someone today, at least getting a skeleton of the basics, a rising time, a worship time, a meal time, a school time, and evening worship, bedtime and bath time. I mean, the very basics, and then we can fit in around those things all the other things that need to be added in our day. Order and regularity, a schedule. And I'm happy to share with any of you uh, our family schedule. It is here for those of you who may not, may not have a copy. And you can use it for a springboard, but don't copy it, please. Because your family is different than my family. And Homeburger's family is different than our family. And their schedule is somewhat similar but yet very different and personalized to their needs. Personalize the schedule for your family needs. And those of you who are single, those of you who don't have children, you need schedule, order, and regularity in your lives too because it is the order of heaven. And it brings happiness in the home. Do you know how happy it is and how much frustration it saves when our children get up from the table and they know exactly what they're to do? And mother doesn't have to say anything. I used to be in the habit of saying every day, you need to do this, you need to do that. Now it's time to do this, now it's time to do that. And after a period of time, I thought they should be able to catch on, but I never told them they had to. And so I began to build frustrations in myself. How come you're not doing that? But mother, you didn't tell me to. And so now mother has a schedule, and we work with that. Order and neatness and regularity in our home. You know what else needs to be neat and orderly if you want to have a happy home? It's more than just our surroundings. It is our person. God wants me to be orderly in my home. He wants my hair to be brushed. You know women and men and children that when I am not feeling very uh, happy or very um, the feelings of being exuberant or whatever, that sometimes just washing my face and freshening up and brushing my hair, I can feel even better. Go brush your hair and smile at yourself in the mirror and you can come out and smile to your children. Do you think they like to see mother with her hair all messed up? And the Lord's spoken to me about this too. 
even to the point where some days we usually walk early in the morning and I come home and take a shower and, and then our children get up and I'm all ready for the day. Well, I went through a period that was kind of in reverse. We still walked in the morning, but because we weren't running our cook stove and I didn't have hot water in the morning, I don't really like cold showers, especially Montana cold water showers, that I would wait till the stove was going for a while and so I wasn't getting dressed until later like, you know, right before family worship. And the Lord's been working with that in my heart, that I need to change that. And that my husband's brought it to me. And I haven't successfully done it every time, but the Lord has put it in my heart. That I need to be looking nice for my children. They'll enjoy looking at us much more parents if we are not only happy, but we are attractive to them. And I'm not talking about church clothes. I'll read to you what I'm speaking of. Adventist Home, page 254. Mother, make yourself as attractive as possible. I'm not talking about artificial attraction either, friends. Natural beauty that comes from the heart outside. Not by elaborate trimmings, but by wearing clothes well-fitting, garments that are well-fitting and clean. Pretty basic, isn't it? Helping to make our home happy. The fifth area is pleasant words and kind voices. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 1. Many parents have told me, my children are so disrespectful. They speak unkind words. Do you know where they learn those words? From us. They have a natural bent to wrongdoing, as we all do. But we help to inculcate that in them, mothers and fathers, when we don't speak pleasantly to one another as husband and wife. And you don't have to scream to not speak pleasantly. There can be a little sharpness in the voice, a little frown on the forehead, a little intonation in the voice, even silence. Our children hear and see it all. One mother came to me, and her daughter was grown and out of the home. And she said, I have worked with my daughter for years, and she is so disrespectful to her father. What can you do to help me to help her? And we stayed in their home, and I know why the daughter was disrespectful to the father. Because the mother hardly could say one word to him without cutting him down belittling him and telling him that he had, like, no brains. Well, no wonder the daughter was disrespectful. And the daughter has left her mother's religion. And that was really the mother's heart cry. But her mother's religion didn't work in her mother's life. She expected her daughter to always speak kindly to her father, to obey her father. But she did not lead out in the right example. Courteous, respectful words. And just having some talk time with our children. They like that. When we travel, our children are quite... uh, They like to tell us a lot that goes on. And we have to make time to listen to them. Even when we're alone, and maybe we don't have anything pressing, it's just too easy to... Not right now. Later. In a minute. How long is a minute to a child? Is it really 60 seconds or does it turn out to be about 2 hours and 40 some minutes, if at all? We don't listen enough to our children. We can speak kind, courteous words. So if we want our children to say please and thank you, 
we say please and thank you, and we do it with a happy heart. I remember um, many times, or almost always, whenever Tom goes away without us for ministry meetings or when he was in his business in real estate and had to go away for conferences or even back in, when he was in x-ray, uh, and the children were old enough to want to sleep with mother when daddy was gone. You know, they always like to be in mother and daddy's bed. I'd encourage that occasionally for us to have family time where the children can come and join us and just chat a little bit with us. You know, if we go to bed early or we can just have some special time, they really enjoy that. But whenever Tom goes, the children like to take turns coming to mother's bed. And we usually have a nice little talk. And they share more with me there than I think any about anywhere else. And maybe it's because my, I'm a total captive. I'm in a dark room. I can't see anything. The answering machine is on. I have absolutely no distractions. But we have some good talks there, and they love it. And mother is rubbing their head. This leads me into number six, kindly affection. Have you ever rubbed your child's head? They love it. Not just when they're babies. They like it when they're 14, 13 and a half. I still like it, and I'm 39. <laughs> kind affections and loving acts. Friends, we give more affection and love and kindness to strangers than we do in our own homes. And it's no wonder our homes are not happy. God wants us to give those things in our homes to make them happy. Take time to play with them. After my surgery, I was out there jump roping. I like to jump rope. I used to jump rope a lot when I was a girl. And I thought I needed good pounding exercises for my bones. I thought this is a good one. And so I was out there jump roping. And Allison came out. And I never realized that I really never took the time to show her how to jump rope. See, when I was in school, that was the thing we did for recess was jump rope, but they don't do much of that anymore. So we had a couple jump ropes, and I said, Allison, come join me. She says, well, I tried it before, and I really can't get the hang of it. I said, yes, you can. Let's just try. And so I was out there on the porch with her, and we were going like this, and she got two. Good. Try again for half an hour. And the next day, we were back out there. And do you know, in just a couple of days, she was running up and down the driveway with the jump rope and up and down the road with the jump rope. And now I'm the one who's not coming out and jump roping her like I should. But she enjoyed it, and that was our time together. And she needed that encouragement, and it made her happy. And I spent time helping her to conquer a lie of the devil that I cannot. Building things with them. Josiah and Emily built a raft, a little wood raft that floats on our pond. And it's made just for their size. And they wanted mother and daddy to try it out. I put daddy on it first and he sank it. And I said, it needs some work before I get on it. <laughs> and so they made a bigger one. And I have been on it. And I balanced it in the middle because our pond water, for those of you who have been in our home, know it is very cold. It's numbing. And so anyway, they want us to be with them. And they don't even mind if I don't get on the raft if I just spend 15 or 20 minutes watching them. They love it. And they like it when I get on the raft. Making a special meal for them more than their birthday. Sometimes just say, honey, what would you like to have for supper? And I'll do it. Or maybe helping them with their dishes occasionally when you're not supposed to. Putting love notes around the house for your children. Sometimes I'll put little notes in my children's desk. And they like to find those little notes and look at them. Rubbing lotion on their arms and legs. They really like that. Those little loving attentions. It doesn't have to be every day, but five minutes a day. 35 minutes a week binds their hearts and makes home happy. 
And I have what I call a happy headache. I have headaches that come, and some days are quite more intense than others. And recently, we were out in the mountains. We were doing some sort of camping, and we were with another family, and my children wanted to climb up this path, and it was the trail was re- designated as very steep. And when we got to the sign at the trailhead, somebody put in a few more varies. Very, very, very steep. <laughs> and it was a very steep hill, although we were, we were used to climbing in the mountains, and so for us it was nothing unusual. And we talked to all the people coming out, and they were all, oh, this is really a steep trail. But they're just visitors to the park, you know. So we managed to get up there, and of course my children were there before I was. But coming down, the Lord prompted me and the lady, the people we were with, that we needed to involve ourselves more. And so the fathers were talking, and the children started down the path, and the two of us mothers said, let's run with the children. Now, have you, how many of you like to run when you have a headache? So we started running. The trail was a mile and a half to the top, so it was a mile and a half down. And we ran almost the entire way. I mean a mile and a half down the mountain on the trail. And we would try to catch up the children. They were just trying to stay. And they kept stopping looking. They were so surprised that we could run so long, even though we did have to stop occasionally. I'm not saying we ran straight a mile and a half. But they really enjoyed it, didn't you, children? And they loved it. And pretty soon it became, don't let the fathers catch you. Now, the fathers are obviously much faster runners than the mothers. So we had a good head start. And every time we could hear them coming, we would take off and give it even more. And I would say, my legs are hurting so bad. You know, that pounding exercise and my head is hurting. And I finally said to my friend, I said, this is the happiest headache I have ever had. (laughs) I call it my happy headache. And the children loved it. And it brought happiness, not just to our children, but to their children. The seventh area is that of simplicity. Simplicity in our lifestyle, in the things that we enjoy doing, brings happiness to the home. You think my children had a good time because mother was running down the mountain? They loved it. Do you think they would have as much fun and happiness if I got them all of the latest um, toys that are for their age levels and gave them three hours just to play with them solo? Not near as much. Simplicity in economy. For those of us who want to have a simpler lifestyle, we want to be out of debt, we don't need the things that the world says we need to be happy. In fact, if the world says we need it to be happy, we can be pretty sure we don't need it at all. And so we want to cut away from those things and simplify our lives. Simplify everything that takes from the most important work. That's our phone calls. That's our shopping. That's our hobbies. That's our... uh, Maybe even fellowshipping. You know, some families love to go to other people's houses and are constantly on the, the visiting around, and, and, but they never really have any time in their own home. And usually, one or more of the members in the family just wish they could have that kind of happiness in their home without anybody there. Simplifying our lives to the irreducible minimum. Call out everything that's robbing our time from our children. That's what God is asking us to do. Making home happy. Can we be happy in our homes? Our children have told us our home is getting happier and happier and happier. And you know what? I am a happier and happier mother and a wife. And my husband's getting happier. And every time our home is not happy, 
it's usually, it is always because one person in the home has made a choice to harden their heart. But you know, it's pretty hard to sit miserable, sullen, when the rest of the family chooses to continue to yield their hearts to the Lord and be happy. It exudes an influence that the other people will be happy too. So I would really encourage you, let's make our homes happy. Letting Christ come into our lives. Fathers, love your wives. Speak respectfully to them. Don't degrade them. Mothers, love your husbands. Look nice when they come home. Don't degrade them. And work together to build up your children in Christ. And remember, the key ingredient to making home happy is a happy heart ourselves. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we know above all things that you would like us to enjoy the happiness and the joy of heaven even here on this earth, that we would want to go home with you. And none of us have understood the kind of happiness that you have to give us. So in whatever situation we find ourselves in, Lord, speak to our hearts individually and as families, that you will bring us clear directions on how we can make our homes a happy place, that they can be little havens, heavens, and havens here on this earth, that our children would love to be with us, we with our children, and that we would open those doors to let others in who are tired of a sin-sick world, that we can share the good news of the joy of salvation through this means is our prayer in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.